0: State of Digital Publishing is a publication and community for digital publishing and media professionals in new media and technology. In this second season episode, we speak with Jeff Coyle, co-founder and chief product officer at Market Muse about the state of AI content planning and optimization. Market Muse uses AI to accelerate content planning, creation, and optimization. Let's begin.
1: Hi Jeff, how are you?
0: Hi, how's it going? It's great to finally be on this podcast.
1: Thanks for joining us. Um, We're gonna be speaking about a very interesting topic um, and you guys are doing very interesting work as well, uh, particularly with Market Muse. But before we get into the conversation, I'd love just for you to share about yourself and about what you guys are doing.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, sure. So I'll give you a little bit of background on, on myself. Um, I have, fortunately or unfortunately, been in the content marketing, content publishing, search engine optimization, uh, inbound game for about 20 years. Um, my The first company I worked with, uh, my background's in computer science. Wow. Um, and my focus of study was usability theory and search engine design. Um, and the first company I started working with was called uh, Knowledge Storm. And we were one of the first businesses who were syndicating content for, to generate leads in B2B primarily focused on uh, technology companies. Um, so we would take you know content that was being built to promote products white papers and such um, and we would co-promote them on the web. Uh, that company was acquired in 2007 uh, by a large digital media publisher and lead gen a lead gen firm called Tech Target and Tech target manages hundreds of websites focused on uh, technology topics. Um, And so I managed the in-house team, uh, focused on everything from organic search, paid conversion rate optimization, uh, social community management, email marketing, testing, you know, everything under the sun. If traffic ran through a site in that network, it was probably running through our team. Um, And during that time, uh, a big focus of mine was giving advice um, to our content creation teams and our publishers. We had a huge, fantastic editorial team there Uh, And we had contributors that were not inside of the walls of the company. Um, So providing advisory, uh, you know, services basically internally, thinking about what will make the biggest return on investment for every dollar we spend on content or every dollar we spend updating existing content was a core priority of the team. So looking at metrics for conversions, for membership development, for finding the right audience and tying that back to editorial publishing Uh, was a passion during that time. Um, Towards the tail end of that work, I found a gentleman by the name of Aki Balog, who is my co-founder at Market Muse, and he and a number of scientists that he worked with um, built uh, the first prototype of Market Muse. And I, at TechTarget, was one of the first customers, uh, and people don't know that. Uh, But I was able to implement the earliest versions of Market Muse at TechTarget and see immediate wins, uh, the first proof of concept I did had a five x improvement uh, against a really really high competition topic. I put it to the test. You know, I didn't put some some real like uh, easy one out there. I built a content plan against a security uh, 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 enterprise security topic that was pretty pretty ah uh, pretty tough for us and had huge wins. And I was like hooked. Um, so that when I did leave Tech um Aki had uh, re- reached out to me and said, uh, "Do you want to join a, as a late co-founder?" And, uh, and then the rest is history. And that was, uh, you know, in the summer, late summer of 2015. And so since then, you know, that's really in October 2015 is where we really took Market Muse to market. So about four years today. And now we've grown to, you know, a 50-person team, you know, hundreds of customers with a solution that, you know, consistently produces wins for our customers. And that's what really matters to me It's the impacts that we have, both from a planning and workflow improvements, but then also from a performance improvements. You know, we have agencies that have doubled the amount of clients that they can service with the same staff. And that's as equal of a win to me as a direct customer who, you know, has used us only to optimize existing content and has grown, you know, grown their performance by 2x or has used us to make better decisions. So the efficiency of what they create. Is higher. I wrote 100 articles last year. They yielded n. I wrote 100 articles this year, and I got two n, three n. Some cases, hundred n. <laughs> you know, those, those are obviously anomalous. But that's really the types of of things that we focus on. It's speeding up these horrible processes, and that's what I worked with. You know, was manual content inventories, manual content audits, manual topic modeling exercises. That you know, the results are aren't are they're totally biased too, when you do it manually, you know, you put your own spit shine on them. Um, but now when we're able to do those in minutes, I mean, what would have taken months, uh, you know, teams that are doing yearly content inventories are now doing them bi-weekly or biweekly or monthly at the worst um, to get uh, data that they just didn't have their hands on. Um, and, and that's really been, you know, huge for me as the, you know, chief product officer, as well as the co-founder It's watching people adopt our solution and seamlessly integrate it into their workflows. Some of them, they've been working with the same workflow for 15 years and they're able to adopt it and and have success, whether it's a point win, like one thing they improve, or they just revolutionize their entire team's workflow.
1: Jeff, I mean, I've I've seen this off on my end because I also work with publishers and that key aspect is always around trying to, see where they can expand next or looking at helping them prioritize with the topics. And which, which is from the, yeah, from how you've explained your story. Um, it's exactly what they're, they're still doing these days, which is um, good to see. Um, you know, you, you guys call market muse as an AI content planning, optimization software. Why specifically that?
0: You know, cause it's, it's two big things. It's what should I do now? What should I do next? And that's the question that, like you said, how do people decide that today? It's, you know, and I always had a great conversation with uh, a fellow co-founder uh, for a content B2B, or sorry, a content SaaS company yesterday. And he mentioned, you know, we have marketers and marketing content, content teams, and they're, they can't even get past filling out their editorial calendar with their marketing content let alone do they have enough time to actually think about their own authority or strategic content development. They're just taking orders and they're trying to fulfill. And I think that that's really the, the spirit of most teams today. They're just trying to get by and get the content that's being asked to, for them to develop internally by stakeholders. And that's why you know, I, I mentioned that because that I think is the state of content strategy. The really great teams, the wonderful agencies are thinking more critically about what should they create, not just what they're order, being ordered to create. And that's what Market MarketMuse enables. It basically can take, I need to own this topic. I want to be the thought leader on this thing because it's very important for my business to represent, uh, for, for us to represent ourselves as experts. Or I know I have gaps. I know I have thin content. Or maybe I just don't know what to do. <laughs> can just help me just just pick off some wins? Um, so any one of these situations yields that 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 tenant, that content planning. It's to say, what should I create next, or what should I update or improve next? Or places where I can use data, use data observations to make better decisions about what, like you said, to do next, or maybe content to build around because it's already got a lot of authority. So then on the optimization side, that's part of that update and in improving existing stuff. So if I'm going to improve existing page, how am I going to improve it? I'm not just peppering in keywords, and that's what the industry is is pushing on publishing teams. It's like add these words because a couple of the people in the search results are also adding them. It doesn't work. It doesn't work in practice. My team uh, most recently put together a page, uh, a piece about that that practice and how it's leading you astray. Um, and so what we do is we take a really, really different approach. Um, so we're able, you know, and that's why when you say AI, everybody's like their eyes glaze over, but we're really thinking critically about ways to use our, we have two patents on our topic modeling technology. No one else does what we do uh, with with topic modeling, uh, with uh, machine learning on topics and concepts. But the, the the core of it is we can analyze hundreds of thousands, millions of content items Tell you what, which ones are great, which ones are comprehensive, which ones aren't. Find those characteristics of great content. We can find typical gaps in content. But to analyze that topic and then be able to say, here's what you need to do based on where you are. So here's the model. Here's the perfect situation at the page level or the site level. And then cross-referencing that against your, your site or your network or your page or your section. And what does that tell you? That's what AI can bring now that no one ever had access to that scale of fidelity of research. It's always been hacks. It's always been look at the top five pages and try to figure something out. We're able to look at your whole landscape because everyone knows now. Well, I shouldn't say that. That was such a, I almost got really, really generic, but uh, more people are learning now that it's not just about the page, right? It's about the whole connected, Nature of content. It can be, you can have existing power in places you never imagined, sections of your site, sections of your network that you can leverage. It's not just about going and writing the best page on this topic, it's about having that foundation. Um, And so until now, technology couldn't solve for or give advice at the site or the network level. It was really limited to looking at a small number of things and making generic a or b observations so when we say ai content planning optimization we're looking at the big picture what does it mean to be an expert on this topic and what are your gaps that are saying that you're not as great as you could be or if you are great how do you take advantage of that win that momentum to yeah. drive better better decisions down the road
1: so jeff You've spoken about quite a number of things, um, directions we could take this conversation, but sure. let me start off with the following. Conceptually, if someone's going to be using Market Muse, how does it work? How how, how do, what do people have to do in order to really do it Absolutely. from a site, site level versus a page level?
0: Well, you know, it's both. It, it can work in both directions. So I'll give you the, the three common workflows. One is I'm going to take it from the page level. I'm going to look at the, I'm going to do it yourself, or I want to update existing pages. That's going to be a very simple workflow. In MarketMuse, you have a number of applications uh, for research, for competitive analysis, for internal and external linking recommendations, as well as for optimizing existing content. So let's say I know I want to optimize this page for this topic. All you have to do is punch in your URL, punch in the topic and hit run. Um, It will fetch the text. It will use machine learning to strip the boilerplate off your page, take just that unique content and analyze that page of content against that topic and say, how well did you cover it? Did you hit on the concepts that we feel you should have hit on? Um, And the ones that you didn't, it will give you advice as to which gaps to fill. And so that's the most basic. It's just, hey, make this better on these concepts. They give you ways to expand and ways to improve, ways to touch on more important user intent profiles uh, with that content item. And then the cool next step there is to use that to give you a sense more of a competitive nature. So we're building that perfect model that how to cover this great. But then you might want to do a head to head gap analysis with all the competitors too. You can look at each one. And x-ray their page against yours and say, ooh, uh, HubSpot mentioned, HubSpot talked about target audience when they were writing about content, uh, the best content marketing strategy. I need to make sure I have a section about target audience. Um, so I can do that type of competitive analysis, or I can do a competitive analysis of everyone all at once. And I can say, what's everyone doing? But what's the stuff that Market Muse says is really important that nobody's doing? And that's an instant way to differentiate your brand and differentiate your content. So you get that stuff. if that meets minimum table stakes, but then you've also got this differentiation. So just to backtrack, you've got one workflow, update existing content. The second, give yourself a, po- a competitive point of reference to ensure that when you publish content, it's equal to, or better than all of your competitors. Those are really two core workflows of market news. You also asked at the site level, um, that's where, you know, how do I get started using Market Music at the site level? Well, you're giving us your site, right? We're analyzing all the pages on your existing site. We're trying to understand where you have strength, where you have weaknesses. You know, we're doing that SWOT analysis. Where are the gaps? What are the opportunities? But we do that by extracting all the topics of everything that you're about, all the topics that you've covered, even the ones you've covered poorly, or the ones you're really, really dominant in. And we build this universe of concepts. We grade and prioritize all of them. Where do you have authority? Where do you have opportunity? We also then do the same thing for every page. And we tell you at the page level, which ones are more powerful, which ones are less powerful, which ones need to be updated and expanded, which ones are great. And you need to use those as pillars. You need to use those as your rocks uh, for future content development um and so from there you develop content plans and say oh because of these three data points i'm going to create these five pages and i know they're going to do well from there you can order content briefs right in the platform and those content briefs are automated ai generated content outlines for your writers what does that do it does two things one it makes sure that the content that you create is going to be you know comprehensive and high quality but what it also does is, is it establishes a source of truth for the writer so that they know what's being, what, what they're being asked to do. So many times you just say, hey, go write this article on this topic. Your writer's like, okay. And it takes them 10 times as long because they're doing the keyword research themselves. Most great writers aren't great SEOs. We just expect them to be right. I want my writers writing because they're great writers and they're subject matter experts. And Market Muse content briefs really give you the ability to make that a reality every time. So just backtracking on the workflows site-level analysis, site-level gap analysis, site-level strengths and weaknesses analysis. You can build your plans, order your briefs, your writers write from the briefs. You can take those briefs, check them against your competitors. You can publish it, see how it's doing. Maybe you want to go back and update it, use Optimize, make it more exp- expand expanded, uh, get some advice on where to do internal and external links. It's the entire content cycle.
1: Perfect. Um, and... Um, I guess just like a content calendar or something, there's a planning section where people can conceptually see like the clusters, like because there's people that might be focusing on multiple topic or mm-hmm. verticals on the on the website. Is there an easier way for them to see that?
0: You know that's that's where some of the new things we're working on are going to be visualization of the of your coverage. Uh, we do have that at the page level and the topic level, and you can you can look at it. And indi- we have they're called page cards or topic cards. You can look at the individual topic or the page. You can also filter that by any number of statistic. Uh, so you can look at only your thin content. Your short your content is too short. You can look at your content that's very authoritative. You can look at just your pillar pages. You can look at pages that are weaker. Um, Or stronger, Um, and we we allow you to then take subsets of your inventory pages or topics and put them into content plans. What we do not do yet is we don't provide those workflow enabling uh, applications. There's a number of great ones out there: Divi HQ, uh, Monday. You know those types of applications. Many are HubSpot. Even Um, we have a a number of uh, our clients they use those types of applications and they paste in. Links to market news um, at various stages because all of our links are shareable within the team. So um, it, it's definitely more of a planning perspective, but then baking that into your CMS or baking that into your workflow engine, uh, we try to remain ag- agnostic um, so that you can just use us as a point of reference for those specific tasks and endeavors.
1: Easy. So, in terms of adoption, in terms you we, you mentioned about how journalists are good writers and not SEOs but um, and that's a fair point but why uh, I mean and I know from other SEOs or internal people who are focusing on trying to grow the audience for public their publication or for the website they try to uh, maybe sim- oversimplify the explanation of SEO to journalists or editors yep. so that it, it doesn't sound too technical or as a, as a burden why do you think maybe why do you think that's the case, and is that maybe why uh, journalists have a maybe not as a same perception as SEOs in terms of how they need to look at writing content?
0: Yeah, I mean I mean and that that really is at the core of why you know for me, market music exists. Um, you know the it's, it's the connected tissue connective tissue between the content teams. And the search teams and the performance-focused teams, you do have these. You do have journalists, and you do have editorial. You do have writers that do. They all care about performance, whether they're measured explicitly or implicitly against it. And the search teams care about quality. They care about the businesses they work for, yep. um, but they came from different. They typically have come from different worlds. What we find with teams is the advice of a search team that's very keyword crazy or keyword focused. Is met by a writer who's a subject matter expert as a point of conflict. It doesn't need to be. And so I, that's where you know, really we we fit in in that that landscape. It's content strategists solving their challenges. What should I do? Why? Give me some justification for the money that I'm gonna spend on content. Make sure that when I spend the money on content, it's gonna give me a return on investment. But then being sensitive to the fact that, you know. John has been writing about this topic for 15 years. He's the expert. I'm the search professional. I'm not the expert, okay? So when I give him advice, make sure that it's backed with data. Make sure that it's sensitive to the, to the story that I'm actually telling John. It's, hey, John, in, from my research, in order to cover this topic comprehensively, these are the concepts that you would naturally cover. It may not work for this page that you're writing, but maybe it will work with a connected page or a second or a follow-up. Let's make sure that we cover this and don't have any gaps, and make sure that if we think these are this is the potential sections uh, that we want to make sure we speak to. And the more conversations like that you have with writers, the better your bonds get, the better your relationship, and the more they see that you're trying to be empathetic uh, of what they're going through, because when you have a writer that's able to write twice as much and you're doing, con, you're doing research they can trust, it's not pepper in a bunch of words. It's truly giving them uh, support um, and, and good advice. That becomes magical. Those writers are thinking critically. They start to become creative. They start to be thinking about the reader. They're not just thinking about their deadlines. Um, and the quality grows. And, and, and that's the thing we see time and time again. It's instead of just shooting them an Excel spreadsheet, <laughs> which is 90% yeah. of the teams. You, start, you, you shoot them an Excel spreadsheet. It's like it's 2019. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's that have, have the conversation that says, you know, every once in a while, I'm going to give you a recommendation that doesn't fit with your editorial sensibilities. Just know that there's a reason for it. You don't have to actually accept it. You can say, no, I can't fit this in, but let's talk about how we can cover this with the next one. You know, like it's those types of conversations that cause these teams to be successful. It's not just the, you know, I improved this page and got better rankings. It's we just made the team work better. Um, And when I see, when I hear from an agency, you know, even, or or a direct client, and they're like, these writers used to be, they used to think of SEO as as basically like spam. Um, Now, it's like they're they they've changed their stripes. It's like where's my content brief? You know, <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to do any more keyword research because you know they're 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 cutting corners. They're going to a third party solution. They're using bad data, um, using PPC data yeah. to make decisions about organic, or to make decisions about content. I mean, when we research team structures, eighty percent or more still use PPC. And advertising data to make content strategy decisions. It's it's a laugh. And when you can find and now in these days, if you can use AI and find a competitor who's doing that, that's that far behind, you can eat them alive using market muse or similar solutions. You can eat them alive because I can just pick you apart because I can predict your content strategy. If I can predict a competitor's content strategy, just just you know, don't, they shouldn't give up, but they might as well give up. And when I have a client who's keen on doing that, that's when things get really fun. Is to say, well, they're they're probably not going to change over there, so let's just beat them into the ground. And that, that's the kind of stuff that that you know we do with some of our uh, our larger clients. You know,
1: yeah, you can tell from experience in your background for sure. I mean, it um, sounds very yeah. I wouldn't want to try to beat other people to the ground, but obviously, you want to you want to dominate. So um, yeah. The, for sure and um, I think yeah a lot of the concerns that Generous initially have is you know try um, not pushing them out of their ethics of telling yep. them what to write stories and correct them and I think making sure that you understand that relationship with what they're doing and their the line of work um, and presenting and like you said it's it's always going to open them up and get them excited about new topics and new angles to write about so 100% on board with you on that. So I'd like to just talk a bit more about the marketer what's out there. There's mm-hmm. um, things, you know, there's obviously with MarketMix, it's more comprehensive in terms of um, the planning of briefing and really just making it as unbiased as possible. But we've also, there's also like other Chrome extensions and there might be other tools where they, they pretty much scrape your, the, the, for the keywords, maybe they might scrape the top 10 competitors and, mm-hmm. From they give you an idea of how to build up the top uh, topic model. So, what what have you seen in general out there? And I guess without, I know market misses. You know, you're going to be a favorite market miss. But what do you think? Some of the strengths and current situation of the market with some of the solutions out there at the moment.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, So, from a from planning side and prioritization, um, and I'll speak to both uh, both sides. But from planning prioritization side. You're really thinking. You're really talking about the the enterprise SEO solution market, uh, yep. and, and and there is and, and it's you know mid, it's more like a mid market to enterprise market. What you'll see is you're not getting personalized views of a lot of the core metrics, and you're just getting general. That general. It's more like report systems. So you're it's it's rank trackers, and then kind of like data interpretation. Um, And then you'll get kind of like data points that the same data is given to every client. So a uh, a keyword difficulty score, for example, is the same number you're going to get as anyone else who's a customer of that provider. Um, So unique. And and that's, you know, those can be very informative. Um, I personally use Ocrefs um, and SEMrush. Um, I think they're great solutions for particular workflows. I think that they're, they're they're wonderful. I also think all of the enterprise applications that are out there, whether you're talking about Clarity, Clarity Search Metrics or Bright Edge or Conductor, um, all have really solid workflows for various types of teams. And but they are at various price points as well. Um and they do have very they do you, you gotta know like what their valuable workflows that they enable are. Uh, and then situations where you know you're going to have to you know slice and dice together multiple data points or guess or use expertise, um, uh, and and that's really where you know we focus our, our 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 engines on the site level. It's how can we provide advice that is going to be re- more right more of the time um, and less focused on you know just reporting data, um, which is a lot of the focus there. On the page level side, like you described. There's a number of solutions on the market that are are thinking about this. Um, And historical ones, like Wright, you got some of the newer players on the scene, uh, you know, ClearScope, Frazeo, F-R-A-S-E. And all of them are are really thinking about how do I look at one page? How do I analyze some data and provide research and provide research and analysis? I think it's really for the consumer uh, to think about the quality Think about and understand why these solutions work for them, what they're doing with what they're doing with those items, uh, how are they able to use them most effectively, and is it giving them the you know the quote unquote vehicle in order to produce higher quality content, or is it not? Is it really giving them a gap analysis? Is it really telling them, giving them real intelligence, or is it simply giving them a list of keywords? To use. If it's just giving you the list of keywords and that's what you're using it for, and you're just trying to work in those words, those other solutions, you know, maybe where you want to go. And, and it's totally a lot of merit in that process. Um, if you've already got a lot of skills and you have a lot of subject matter expert expertise and you're comfortable with the, your current efficiencies, it's also about scale. Um, if you're just doing one or two pages, Um, You may not have the appetite for a large investment. You're just doing a page a month. Um, But once you get into the higher production, once you get into the, uh, you know, to where you are updating a lot of content frequently, the question you have to ask is, am I willing to make that wager? And I'm wagering my dollars, my content dollars, my team members' uh, time. Do you want to wager that time is it truly providing that much of an efficiency gain to have this information? Or is it am I just using it kind of for validation? What we find is if the output of what you're getting is just data, it's not tremendously providing a huge work, work workload, workflow efficiency. Yep. Um so you just have to use, you have to go for it, give it a shot. Is the what's your appetite for the investment? How much money are you spending on content creation and updating, and really calculate it for real. Time, people, and you know if cost of content if you're outsourcing. you got to add them all together. The average page is about1,500 dollars. It's not a 100, as you see published by writing networks, in time, feedback, updates, publishing, CMS, manage, you know CMS, all that. It's about 1,500. So think about, multiply that by the amount of content you're producing. Are you getting a return on investment in the first place? Is it a loss leader of your business? All those questions need to go into the conversation for you to pick the right solution and whether you need something that you're more confident in, or whether it's just a you know something you're you're going to get a data point here and there and move on. Um, you know that's that's a, that's the way that um, you know are you are you are you focused on reporting up to your managers and you need a you know you really need a dashboard? Are you focused on you know? Uh, or you're really thinking critically and, and you want to produce kind of a standard of excellence for your org you know that that 's really what goes into it
1: i think that's a, that's the beauty of the current market in that i think so too um it, you can whenever whichever stage you're at you can sort of try to find something um without overbearing you or maybe make, making you miss out on a lot of the planning and optimization tools that are sorry without sorry um Make, not making you miss out on any planning and optimization otherwise you'd have to do it manually. So there's yeah, definitely, exactly. definitely yeah. merits to all the other competitors.
0: We're open to you know too with in that conversation. It's how do you use if you have both. We have teams that use use everything. I mean, and I'm, kudos to that. I use I use some a lot of solutions actually. And we we frankly walk through. If you're a Semrush lover, how do you use Semrush with use If you're an Ocrefs lover. Um, how do you use that? I mean, Ocrefs is deadly. It has some reports that are a dream. Semrush as well. I mean, they're they're beautiful solutions. Clarity is a beautiful solution as well. You know, all these solutions have great aspects. And how, if you are a customer and you're comfortable with the, that using that in the workflows, how do you use that and Market Muse and turn that into a deadly combination? Um, that that's a conversation I have all the time with clients. I don't take the I don't take that other approach. It's just a Use it as validation. Use it to, to as a multiplier effect. There's a lot of smart people on all of these teams. Um, and I, I, I love it when people have multiple solutions. It just shows that they are willing to invest in content. And that that's the real thing. I mean, that's the big indicator of success for us. If you're skeptical, if you, ha- if you don't have a culture of content and were your first purchase in content, Yep. Oh gosh, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm on an uphill battle. If we're your third purchase in content software, like high five, because we're going to crush it and, and be singing in about
1: four months. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let's, let's uh, really like go to, into the nitty gritty of things. So sure. I'd love to, you shared with me some case studies we can go through, but before we do that, I'd love to just, let's take a one-on-one lesson from Mr. Jeff. And um, in terms of developing a topic authority, You've mentioned, uh, you've done a recent, I think it was your colleague who did the recent post about natural language natural language processing techniques. And mm-hmm. the reason why I'm bringing that up is that I think it's important for journalists and just for those who work in publishing to understand um, how potentially uh, topics are semantic, you could semantically build up, or you, you can, there are different models out there that determine. What the topic? How to best structure the topic? So, um, can we just go through first around the different techniques, um, and the, from there maybe we can delve into the case studies and the process around developing topic authority.
0: Yeah, sure. So, uh, I, you know, just from a high level, um, so natural language processing as is, is a you know a, a field within artificial intelligence. It's it's really about how can I assess. Um, text and, and and make sense of it. Um, and, and there's a lot of underlying technologies that fit into fit into that. One of them is topic modeling, but there's also graph analysis. Uh, there's also you know, you know everything getting down to you know stemming, lemmatization, or you know getting into all the all the details of uh, you know subtopics. It's a really advancing field, though. Um, there's so much research in this field right now. It's very very hot. Like when you take a step back and you think about how does a – you know how, how, if you were building a search engine, how do you want to create a sense of an understanding of what may or may not be authoritative? And the ways that that search engine has in their disposal, depending on how big they are, right, and how they can analyze content, that is to say, I've got on-page factors. I've got off-page factors. I've got information that I can glean just by looking at your page or your site. I got information I can glean by looking at the entire corpus of the web uh, and things that are interconnected and things that aren't. So the, you know, the the collective of, of information that's out there is telling the story of are do, you know, have you? Have you made it already? Have you made it, written enough content? Do you have enough credibility? Do you have enough authority now so that if you write a next page on a similar topic a related topic or a topic that's logically connected to things you already are a topic or an authority on, we will give you a chance to perform. Um, and that's that off page, off page authority. That on page authority then says, have you followed through with this page? Are you satisfying user intent? Are you telling the story that you're an expert? So both of those things bake into this. And that creates a lot of different challenges for businesses, attribution challenges, because you can't just do it page to page. You can't just say, this page has this much ROI. It's the collective of all of the things that I've done raises all boats, my ability to perform. Um, So if you're going through a one-on-one assessment of this You're effectively saying, how can I analyze at the page level to say, is this comprehensive about this? Is it also comprehensive about 100, 500 other things? How does that then map to performance? Um, And then do that for every page um, and all the connections between those pages. Um, So if you imagine it like a big hub spoke model or a site map, it's what is every page about and how do they weave together both with links, but then also with what they're about. So I would think links are one thing. Yes. You want to interweave the, the relevant content tell the story of clusters, content clusters, but it's also the entire connection of your site, the, the sections of your site, the network that you're within all tell that story too on the search engines. Um, don't know how much of this I can say. On the search engines, um, hey, why not? Uh, sections of sites are evaluated separately from entire sites to entire networks. And so it's also about looking within those elements to say, what does authority mean within this area, within this subsection? Um, and that's something that t- gets into the, the, the evaluation of authority um, as well. Um. So those are the considerations. It's what do I have? How is it structured? How is it connected? Where am I writing great stuff? Where am I writing a lot of stuff? So the net net of it is, I always think of it as breadth, depth, quality, authority, and competitive landscape. That tells the story. It's across and down, and then making sure when I do cover this topic, I'm putting my best foot forward. If I've got some stuff that was written really poor quality, it can actually be detrimental. Um, And and so it's really identifying situations where everything that the the best expert in the world on this topic would write, I have that manifested in my website. Every stage of the buyer journey, early stage awareness, mid funnel, late stage, post purchase troubleshooting, ownership, I have ownership of the product, Um, I've got all of that covered. I'm the person that's going to give you the knowledge on the journey, every stage, uh, no matter what. Can I say that? And if I can't say that, then I can't gripe about not being able to rank for the keywords I want to rank for. And it's so many times we see clients or historical teams where they said, oh, every article in the search results is a definition. So go write a definition. Well, guess what? That don't work. That's why these tools don't work, right? That I was just talking about. Because you need the foundation of the infrastructure that tells a story that you deserve to perform well when you do write your definition. And that's the gap we see with so many teams. The coolest thing about this for publishers is this is what editors have been saying for 50 years. We have yeah. to write great content. We've got to build great infrastructure. We have to build magazine to magazine on our knowledge. We have to create an expectation of subject matter expertise. So the, the standard for topic, topical authority now is the collective of all the intelligence of all the editors in the world. And that's coming through more and more. Um, and that's the considerations that I think publishing teams have to have is that now technology can, can manifest the subjective decisions that would be made by an editor in chief. And that's exciting. That means that the editors are going to be right more of the time when they're making best practice decisions. Um, and we, as you know, as Market Muse, have developed technologies that manifest the equivalent of what that editor in chief likely would have said. And that allows us to have a lot more high fives with editors, and that's a good thing. Um, versus you know telling them what to write.
1: Definitely. Um, <laughs> I th- I, I, there's there's a lot we can delve into that into yeah. that as well. Um, but just to make it clear, let's rehash quickly. Um, so uh, you said depth, uh, breadth, um, and then um, what you guys are doing. Write, what you're writing a lot on. What you're mm-hmm. great at, and then putting that in the competitive landscape. Um, yep. And then we spoke about when we're going to execute on that, developing yep. the cl- uh, planning the clusters, and from there, I guess executing your content plan does understanding more about like the different other natural language process techniques in terms of lexical and syntax analysis or you know entity topic entity um name entity recognition is that something that journalists or writers need to really delve into more or and how do you think they they should do that
0: um you know i think that it is, these, those things are all really important for journalists. I think that they need to be thinking about that certainly from a competitive advantage standpoint and, and, and competitive profile. If they're writing towards news, so we have the only in-market application for, for Google News recommendations as well. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. Uh, we have a market newsroom application. It actually, it's not using social signals. It's actually looking at the content that's doing well in the news. Is looking at what types of content will cross the chasm into web results as well as news results. And so using this type of technology, the things that you get from that and using kind of lexical, uh, using semantic analysis, um, using the, those types of technologies, uh, which can be done with other open platforms too. I mean, uh, Google NLU. And, uh, uh, you know, Amazon's, a- Amazon solution, or if you have a more technical team behind you, um, it's looking at, you know, you know, Spacey is a good example, or, uh, you know, the various toolkits that are out there, yeah, um, where you I'd can awesome. make it yourself, you can roll your own, uh, you know, attempt at content analysis. trust me, it's a little bit harder than than just popping in. And sometimes Amazon web services can be expensive, but um, trust me, I, I, I love them all, but you can start to say, what are the tendencies of my competitors? What are my tendencies? How is that working out? But what it can also give you is ideas for angles that they're likely not going to take. And in journalism, I think that's really important is to say, everyone's doing this. What are the things that I can do to really differentiate myself that are semantically relevant? Um, And that's when you start winning more often is I'm going to write this you know, we were, we were working with one of our news teams. Uh, we work with a number of news teams. They have to move really fast. And there was a, a natural disaster they were writing about. And they uh, executed on seven additional angles as a result of research that they did with us. And each one of those seven were seven out of their top 10 performers uh, for this topic, for this particular natural disaster. Um, another example on that one that I like is right before the Final Four basketball tournament, uh, in the U.S., um, the men's basketball uh, college, um, we had predicted that they should cover this collection of players with deep dive biography and profiles. And one of those players ended up being one of their top traffic generators uh, for the tournament. And and so there's there's a lot of those types of of analyses that can now be done. Um, you know, some other example case studies. From a competitive standpoint that you know is journalistically appropriate uh we have an example on our site from Tomorrow's sleep uh, which was a really tough spot they were in they're competing against big name mattress companies with a lot of money behind them who are publishing a lot of different types of medium videos and everything uh, but they focused on content and they did a collective gap analysis against all of their competitors and built a content plan that would put them at the same level as all of those competitors combined uh, ended up going from 4,000 visits a month to a half a million uh, in that first year, just by focusing their efforts wow. on that, on that. And yeah, that's available on our site. Um, we've got a handful of other ones that are, but it's really about form, fortifying your strategy and ensuring everything you publish puts the best foot forward. Cause you may have an idea to write something that Market Muse didn't tell you to do. Okay, great. I'm cool with that. Go write it. But make sure that it's the best when you do write it because it may be great because you have knowledge of this. Like, I know this is going to be important, but okay, put your best foot forward when you write that one too, in addition to the ones that we give advice on. Or if you're looking at competitors, you know, so any way you can get inspired to write when, before you hit publish, make sure it's the best. I mean, if you have that model, you know, that's in journal. That's journalistically appropriate. That's editorially appropriate, and from a search space, it, it, it's a, it's going to be a winner. And that, you know everybody's happy. You know that's that that's that that's
1: that win 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 win. That's the name of the game. You also mentioned to me about wanting to cover Cortex because I think that's more of a bigger. Oh, sorry, that's a new launch brand. So, how did they use Market Muse to help with? Uh, really growing and getting to that point where they're happy with with all their. Oh yeah, progress. sure, sure.
0: So, you know, Cortex is a great story. Uh, also, fellow um, uh, northeastern company, um, Brendan Brendan White. There's actually a, a a webinar that I did with him uh, that you can download the recording of. But they had basically they they had basically, basically concepts that they had a uh, they really didn't have a comprehensive content strategy. Their workflow was manual. Their process was not scalable. They weren't sure what they were. Um, They had a really small marketing team, and they were working really hard to create content, but they were only able to produce like two blog posts per week, and the hit rate, the success rate was just so inconsistent that they were even questioning whether they should continue investing. And from what we use with us, they just really started working on using – they started with us just looking at the competitive analysis and optimized applications. And then they grew into the planning applications. But they moved from two posts per week to five or six, all right? And they doubled the amount of terms they were ranking for um, in the first five months of working with us. And then the number of leads through qualified opportunities generated from those content items as the original attributed source went 30% up for the business. That's their main KPI was leads generated for the team in six months. Um, and then that that was that was the last time we checked in. We I actually know from recent update that numbers now continued to grow at that clip. Um, nice. And these were topics that they had not yet written about, and we had to build the models to cover the whole space to make them owners of their ideological values, the ideological values of the business. So even esoteric things like that, like saying we want to own this or We have no presence, like tomorrow's sleep. We have no presence in this space. How do you go from scratch?
1: Um, Any of these challenges, we try to solve. Jeff, and it's all good You get the data. You see the data, um, and that helps you uncover things that maybe you you haven't thought about. But then there's also about interpreting the data. Uh, People could still probably take that and maybe not use it to the best of what's being offered. Uh, What do you think Mm -hmm. we can do to... Prevent being biased. It's, it's, it gets interpreting that. Are there any data analysis skills that editors have to learn, journalists have to learn, or publishers have to learn? What are your What are your thoughts around that?
0: Yeah, this is such a
1: a, a thing.
0: I, you know, and I'll, I'll be a little blunt here, and I and I know the audience. It's there's situations where I have clients that I don't I don't like the way that they use the data. You know, it's so hard. You know, because there there is still that 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 I want to cut corners. I want to use data to cut corners. Or I'm gonna like build this content item that barely even makes sense to when you know, barely even readable, but it, it mentions everything that I'm supposed to. It's so got the keywords. Um, oh gosh, nothing nothing chafes me worse than that. Those are the things to watch out for. It's the cut corners, it's the team. Um, you know, do we really have to write this? Well, if you did and you put it together and it was great, right? That's something that let's just say theoretically it doesn't directly perform, but you can still feel really good about having this wonderful article about a topic that everybody agreed was going to be a success. You know, I just, the, the, the thing that bugs me about the misuse of data is that keyword crazy approach. It is, like you mentioned, it is that I'm going to use this to cut corners. I want to use this to augment my intelligence and maximize the subject matter expertise within the people I employ. That's the spirit. If you've got that spirit, you win. If you're cutting corners and you're peppering in words, you lose and you'll lose in the end. And I've seen it so many times. I've seen it with clients. I love them, but I love, I try to love all the clients, you know, but I've seen it, I've seen it over time. And, and, and when they're using it to, 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 to bypass meaning and value and quality, that's, that's that misuse of content. I think your audience probably is on the wonderful side of, of, of caring and, and, and stuff, but really that, that's, the, that's, the, that's the yin and the yang of the misuse of this type of data. Um, and that's what I'm so, pa- obviously, I'm very passionate about.
1: <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, so that, that, like, I think fundamentally, it's that mindset that you're saying that really gets them that makes them fall down, if in terms of interpreting and using the data in the right way. Do you think there's any other other things that they should look at in enhancing uh, yeah. their views as well? Just I think uh, so. Um,
0: so one thing that we see a lot, and this is one that I just thought of as you said that you gave me a, a good point is what what articles don't they talk about? And and I'll elaborate on it, but. Do they have any content that generates traffic that they wish nobody ever saw? So many teams have these fluky wins, historical pages that are actually super important to their site. They don't want to talk about it, um, and so that's one where it's it's a flip side. It's not the advice of these solutions, but. It's to be honest with yourself. Hold a mirror up to your content inventory. Don't be biased with what you talk about. Also, don't like turn those things off because that's a disaster too. But really, be honest with what you've done. Be honest with your efficiency rates. How and my, when I say efficiency, it's how much you publish that is successful and whatever those KPIs are. Be honest with those things. So many times when we're working with teams, they miss. You know, they're not misrepresenting, but they don't want to talk about the fact that their homepage is 90% of their traffic or and they they write 500 articles a month 500 articles a year but their homepage is still 90% of the traffic and their efficiency rate is so poor you know like like be honest cuz guess what a solution like Market News can take that and turn it into a gold mine um, because you can get get really tactical with your optimization and with your creation and you've got all the you've got all the play doh we just got to turn it into the uh, to the castle you know um, and and then a lot of times you have these pages that um, we had a translation company, funny story a translation company. And, and when we dug in, they had uh 70% of their traffic was going to pages about how to, uh, how to say profanity in various languages. Um uh, <laughs> and, and, they didn't even want to, they didn't want to talk about that. And I'm, I'm like, um, you got a content problem here, you know? And, uh, and so there's a lot of th- fun things like that. So don't be ashamed of that stuff. It can be, it can be morphed into business win for people like me. And for agencies who do this stuff. So don't be ashamed of, of wins. And also don't be ashamed of historical inefficiencies. That's what we're here for. And so misuse of data is also not being willing to accept where you are today.
1: No, thank you for that. I think that's really, even even if you don't have a statistical analysis or you don't have a science right. data team and all those things. And are using this. Well, at the end of the day, it's, really, it's, a, it's a mindset thing. That And being honest with yourself is really key. So thank you for really driving yeah, that sure. beat. So let's look ahead now, Jeff, because um, right. I'm, I'm always excited about looking, seeing what new opportunities there are and mm-hmm. the landscape. So what do you think is the future in um, AI content op- planning and optimization, and what are your guys' plans for next year?
0: Um, so tactically, you know, one of my goals from a business, I want more people to be exposed to us, you know. Uh, and so we're, we're trying to think about more ways for pieces of or, Um, our entire suite to be easier to be accessible. Um, And that's something that we're we're working on. Uh, You know, right now, we're really heavily focused on on larger teams. Um, And so making that more accessible is one thing for us. The other field that is going to be expanding is natural language generation. And journalists who accept that are doing really well. Um, And and there's some teams that have started with rubric-based generation. And there's, it's in market. You know, Washington Post famously has Heliograph. There's some elements of various other writing teams um, that are thinking about generation.
1: Just like sports um, and news, news uh, sorry, sports and weather, sort of top content where it's just yeah, very data set, data set driven.
0: Yeah, data rubrics, um, yeah. you know, there's some rules-based rubrics. That's been the extent of what's been out there. Um, yeah. The next frontier in this, though, is going to be open, open, open content. And uh, we're innovating in this space uh, right now, and we have plans to release a product in this space very quick, very quickly. And it's going to be the best of its kind. Um, but you're going to also see other things come out in this space for other natural language processing. The cool thing about it is it's still focused on getting the best, getting the most out of your subject matter experts. And so there's there's always going to be the need for that lens. And if we can continue to just build the foundation, get things started, allow allow your experts to finish, not not only not have to build the outline, not have to do the keyword research. The further along the journey, the more effective they're going to be. So I think you're going to see a lot of innovations on that front uh, very quickly. We're also looking at a lot at user intent, um, so we're able to predict the intent behind. All of not just a query, but the entire concept. So if you look at, you know, CRM software, there's a lot of fracture in that topic. I could be looking up what is CRM software. I could be looking to compare software. I could be looking to what are the prices. I could be looking at how to fix mine or I want to upgrade. You know, there could be so many different things, parts of the purchase journey I could be on. And then you've got really explicit intent. What is, you know, what type of hubcaps do you put on a 1998 Subaru legacy? You know, (laughs) and so that's a really, really specific intent. Um, So how do you, how do you generate recommendations for covering something that is explicit intent or fractured intent? Um, And then also, how do you use that to instruct people to cover that whole journey and build automated clusters and automated plans? So all three of those things are coming. From market news
1: in the next calendar twelve. Do you think is there, is there anything out in the market that's being written about now, or something that's people looking forward to as well? I know I, uh, I know that you guys are anticipating the market changes with your new products. You know, from,
0: but, but from other top, firms.
1: Yeah. No. Well, just top no, um, level. Top level.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think that from my standpoint, businesses I feel that are moving in the direction that, and I'm excited about them. I'm really excited about what Ahrefs is doing. Um, I think that from a kind of an SEO specific solution, they continue to put out more and more like reports and reports. And it, it, you know, it's a different approach. It's, it's, you know, it's really reports. And is this report going to be useful? It's report, report. It's a very report centric. But I think that they are going to accelerate some of the people that they've hired recently. I, I respect tremendously. Um, and I think that they're going to be, having a very interesting 2020, their ones to watch. And from a publishing perspective, I think what you see is some of the very large publishers are getting serious about this. Um, not just clients of ours, but many, lar- anyone publishing content, any big brand who has a publishing wing is starting to get more tactical. I mean, there's amazing publishing houses now that have in- internal technology that use technologies like market news, but there's also ones that haven't adopted uh, this type of thing. I think the age of there being publishers publishing more than a couple hundred pages a year and not using prioritization and planning solutions. I think that that ends by the end of 2020. Uh, I don't, I don't see being able to even keep up no matter how challenging your landscape is. I mean, Let's just say you're in the content marketing content space, right? Imagine trying to trying to perform in content marketing content without solutions like these. I mean, good luck trying to compete with HubSpot, Marketo, uh, you know, and, and, and these these just public beasts of publishing. And what we have is historically like converted magazines, you know, who are publishing on the web, yep. who. You know th- th- some of them are still doing it with brainstorming, and, and, and that that won't hap- that won't be the case in twelve months. They'll all be they'll all be using technology and big data, AI to guide their decisions.
1: Well, with that, we'll we'll definitely touch base then and reflect on what your comments were now and uh, see how things have progressed since then. So, with that, thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast.
0: All right, thank you, thank you so much, and, and I really appreciate you and your listeners. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the State of Digital Publishing podcast. Listen to past and upcoming episodes across all major podcast networks. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and join our community groups. Finally, visit stateofdigitalpublishing.com for premium information, resources, and become a member today. Until next time.